It's Friday on Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Happy to be back for the final regular show, at least, for the week. Been a lot of stuff this week. Lots of extra Twins podcasts. And, of course, the Twins play again Saturday and Sunday. Still trying to figure out how to handle the weekend slate. I'm leaning towards doing some sort of bonus episode after Game 1. Uh, but probably not after game two. That's a Sunday night game, and we'll be on with Royce early Monday anyways, so probably not a special episode after game two, but uh, plenty to talk about with Royce on Monday right away. Um, probably a lot of that dealing with what we saw in game two from the Twins, so stick around for that this weekend and for a good show right now. It's going to be a little bit of a show in reverse I'm going to kind of get to the what did I miss in a little bit. I talk a little bit of Cam Akers, who I had a chance to catch up with new Vikings running back a couple of days ago. Um, I got to talk Minnesota United because that team is sputtering to the finish line. Maybe dissect a little bit of what's going wrong with them. Um, first, though, is not really what did I miss. I'm just I'm going to do the interview right away because Phil Miller from the Star Tribune joins me here. And all you guys really want to talk about is twins right now. I, I'm getting that from everything that's going on right now. The Vikings pushed down. Go for football, push down, even though both of those teams have big games this weekend. All that really matters right now is twins in the playoffs, game one at Houston on Saturday afternoon. So let's get to me and Phil Miller talking twins, that series, and what's coming up right now. What else would we talk on Daily Delivery except for twins? That is all... It's on almost everyone's mind. No better person to talk about them than Phil Miller, Twins beat writer for the Star Tribune. Phil um, didn't know what to expect in these playoffs because of the history, of course, but Twins advance through Toronto fairly easily, uh, comfortably. I mean, the games were tight, but you never really got the sense that, at least I didn't, that, that things were going the other way, at least... Um, once you got to the late innings and now um, on to Houston, Phil, a much different task, a lot of different questions. Biggest one has to be who's the game one starter. And there's a lot of options there, aren't there? There are. Uh, it, was, it was interesting to me that uh, they finally uh, confessed that uh, they, you know, the twins don't like to announce plans ahead of time, but Joe Ryan was going to start uh, Thursday afternoon's game three that's such a big responsibility. You just assume that, okay, well now you just push him back and he's the game one starter. If you have that much trust in him. So I asked Derek Falvey today, uh, can we just assume Joe is the game one starter? And he said, no, I wouldn't. Uh, I, it, they are reflexively cautious about committing to things. So it could have been that, or it could have been, in analyzing a, a completely different team and a completely different set of tendencies that uh, maybe Kenta Maeda, who did not uh, pitch in this series, <coughs> excuse me, uh, might uh, be someone they look at. Bailey Ober, uh, you know, pitched very, very well in Colorado. And, uh, you know, might they look at him? Uh, it's It was interesting to me that uh, that that they pulled back on that. Uh, like I say, they, they don't like to announce things much in advance. So maybe this is just nothing. Uh, Joe Ryan threw in the bullpen today. I, uh, I watched him a little bit uh, from the press box. And so he is certainly acting as though he is uh, the game one starter. 
and perhaps uh, uh, they do something where they tell him once through the lineup, twice through the lineup, uh, and then we'll think about like Kenta. But uh, you know, you don't want to you don't want to map that out too much, as the Blue Jays uh, learned last night. Yes. That, uh, that uh, so I, I, I it was interesting to me that uh, that they were going to give him game three, but are are now uh, maybe and there are I know there are people in the organization who think Kenta is the best option. Uh, Kenta Maeda is the best option now, so we'll see what they decide. And ultimately, then where they go from game one is a little bit more cut and dried. Pablo Lopez would have his full rest. For game two, Sonny Gray would have five days of rest for game three. But then you're back to a conundrum of who out of that mix would get a game four. That would be at target field if necessary, assuming it's 2-1 in either direction at that point. Um, but better better options, I would say, overall than they've had in past years. Although, of course, in past years, they've never needed more than three in any of these series because they haven't gotten past three games <laughs> any series for a long time. So, But, you know, five capable starters, I, I would think, and at least, and this has been the strength of the team all year. The problem is Houston has three really good starters, and they are ready to roll because they've just been sitting there idly for a handful of days now, and they will start with... Justin Verlander, who, um, in addition, he might be uh, in addition to the poll ads, he's a co-owner of the Twins. He's been uh, pretty dominant against them. But different Verlander, different Twins, still there's that history, and he's awfully good um, both this year and almost every year. 22 career wins against the Twins. Uh, no pitcher has uh, struck out more Twins this century than uh, Justin Verlander. So, uh, um I don't know how familiar this particular set of twins are with him, but uh, certainly uh, he has a, a real history with them. Should point out in the twins pitching uh, maneuvers that uh, it you might think, oh, uh, would they um, want to give Pablo an extra day or something like that? But Pablo Lopez pretty much is locked into game two because that allows him with two days off to um, two days off. Uh, uh, in between the games here um, to pitch game five. And uh, that's your best possible uh, scenario. So uh, Pablo for sure is going to go uh, Sunday. Um, yeah. And, and, and yeah, the challenge uh, with the, uh, to face Verlander, even if he's not the uh, Cy Young winner that he once was uh, uh, still looms large. Yeah. And they get, and they're good right after that too. And they've got all sorts of, postseason experience. I mean, the Twins went into that Blue Jays series um, with a certain kind of raised profile. They were, I think a lot of people saw them as, you know, um, at least a little bit better than even chance to win that series. This Astros series feels different. I have to say, I, I don't know how comforted they are that Carlos Correa, the former Astro, keeps comparing this team to the 2015 Astros because, spoiler alert, guys, the 2015 Astros lost the ALDS in five games. I don't know if they love that comparison so much. They did, however, go on to go to four World Series, winning two of them. Um, if the Twins could do that, I'm sure they'd take it, although I think they would like to do that without the horrible cheating scandal that makes everybody hate them. <laughs> yes, I uh, I uh, am interested in uh, what uh, what Carlos Correa uses for fuel when uh, the crowd's not booing him uh, every uh 
uh, every time he's introduced. And it, it, it's interesting because uh, Carlos uh, has mentioned and uh, Dallas Keuchel went into some detail about that 2015 team. Uh, they thought they had the Royals on the ropes uh, and uh, uh, they were up uh, two games to one in a best of five. They were up by three or four runs in the, uh, in the seventh or eighth inning. And the Royals just kind of uh, uh, suddenly couldn't make an out anymore. And the roof kind of fell in on the twins, uh, on the twins, I'm yeah. sorry, on the Astros. And uh, it was a, uh, Keichel uh, said it was a, a real good example that uh, of their youth catching up to them. I think Correa's uh, uh, point is that they're as good as uh, the Astros and they have uh, veteran Carlos Correa uh, in the lineup and not rookie Carlos Correa. And veteran Carlos Correa, I mean, for all that was said about him this year, and, you know, obviously the foot injury played a big part of his offensive struggles. He was always very good uh, in the field during the regular season. Makes, you know, three of the biggest plays of the entire series. The, obviously the barehanded play in game one to keep the Blue Jays off the board. The pickoff that he orchestrated, you wrote about that. I love that. Just, you know, using the crowd noise, kind of tipping Sonny Gray after that in the first inning that, hey, this could be there. And then, of course, the only run scoring hit of uh, of that game Wednesday to give them that win. So he's showing that he's definitely a guy you want on your team this time of year, even if he didn't have the greatest regular season. Mike, I remember uh, when we were in Houston in uh, in June, uh but taking uh, an Uber to the airport and the Uber driver was telling me that Carlos Correa, man, you, sometimes you don't even know he's on the team during the regular season, but we have never seen anybody uh, in uh, October like, uh, like Carlos Correa, which uh, might be a little overstated, but uh, uh, certainly uh, Carlos uh, says the same thing that I'm not, a, I'm not the same player. He said yesterday, this is why I'm here. This is, this is what I do. This is my time of year. And uh, um, it's one thing to say it, but uh, then the very first two games, all we're talking about is Carlos Correa. Uh, yeah, making, uh, you know, an incredible defensive play, uh, making a savvy uh, observation that that probably got them out of the biggest jam of the game. And, uh, and yeah, for all his uh, strikeouts and double plays this year, he uh, he got the big hit when they needed it last night, which, you know, they're fortunate. I, I, uh, I looked it up. The twins won only 13 times this year. They were like 13 and 32 or three when they didn't hit a home run. And they did it last night. Uh, didn't hit a home run and, and still pulled out a win. Uh, they, uh, there's some questions about uh, whether or not the twins offense uh, can uh, kick it into gear. Um, but uh, certainly Carlos Correa seems uh, seems like he has. Those are valid questions. I mean, one the, the one guy who got it going in game one, the only guy really that got it going in game one, Royce Lewis, still battling that hamstring. Any indication of is, is DH kind of the, the plan still? Because got to say, Phil, you talked about the concerns about the offense, and I want to circle back on that in a minute, but I got concerns about the infield defense when Royce – Lewis is not at third base because all of a sudden Polanco's at third. He had four or five, you know, either error error plays or misplays in the first two games of that series that really could have 
hurt them if not for you know others you know, pitching and Correa covering for him. I still don't love Julian at second base. I know some of the metrics say he's gotten better there. Um, what what do we know about Lewis and his availability uh, to you, whether it's in the field or DH for this next series? Well, it might not shock you to hear that he's optimistic because he's always uh, optimistic. Yeah. Royce is optimistic about everything. Uh, uh, I would be surprised if we see him uh, – on the field in Houston. I I do think uh, they will uh, use him as DH and you're right about the you're right about the defense. Uh, they also uh, played Donovan Solano uh, when uh, when there's a left-hander uh, in the game and and so that's not their best option at uh, first base either. I'm a little surprised at how uh, how difficult it's looked for Jorge Polanco at third base cuz uh, you know he's got a lot of experience on the left side of the infield uh, at, at shortstop, uh, but those were a couple of mm, fairly routine uh, for a third baseman, fairly routine plays that he uh, had trouble with. So, uh, but I, I don't, I don't know what the solution is other than uh, you know playing Kyle Farmer there as long as you know we saw Royce uh, he hit a. He hit a ground ball that went foul that he had to run out. Yeah, and then he hit you know another ball that he had to run out and uh, right back to back. And he's not fast down the baseline. I don't know if he's just protecting it or if it's it's nagging him. Uh, but either way, I don't know how uh, the Twins can uh, take a risk. Not when their ambition is to play three more weeks. You uh, you need to have him around. So. And and taking Jorge out of the lineup, you know, it's a team that got out hit in both games. Uh, they had 12 hits uh, in the two games. I I don't know how you weaken your lineup. So it's a it's a balancing act. The solution is Royce to get healthy and come back. Uh, but uh, I I would be surprised if it happens this weekend. Uh, we'll see about uh, next week at uh, Target Field. Okay. Well, we'll see about that. A couple more things, Phil, then I'll let you go. You talked about the offense. I mean, one streak that continued, you told me before we started recording, that's 17 straight post-game, uh, postseason games where they have been held to four runs or fewer. I think that probably takes us back to game four in 2004 when they scored uh, six or... Right. Uh, that The last game of the of the playoffs in 2004 is the last time they scored more than four runs in a in a postseason game, which kind of explains uh, the uh, uh, the losing streak that is finally over. But while they broke the the losing streak of uh, 18 games and the uh, and the streak of series loss, um, they scored five runs in uh, in two games. Uh, it's different that they have the pitching where that's enough now, but. Uh, boy, it's a, it's a lot of pressure to put on the pitching. It's a lot of pressure to put on the bullpen and the bullpen has been so good the last couple of weeks. Uh, the guys that are on the roster, uh, gave up two runs in their last 17 innings, uh, of the regular season. Um, and then, uh, of course, none, uh, in the, uh, in the two games against the Jays. But wow, that's a lot of pressure to put on. And the Astros are, uh, uh, I think, are going to be a bigger challenge at the plate. So, um, so they're not out of the woods yet. On uh, 
it, it is amazing what uh, how much how easy it is to gloss over um, what you saw in uh, uh, when you win the games. But you know, the game where Royce Lewis hit two home runs that was the only extra base hits that they had the entire uh, the entire night. Um, so there's a there's if if you're a, if you're a pessimist Minnesota fan, and I don't know if there are those uh, creatures exist, right? <laughs> no, just just uh, a couple. There's plenty. There is plenty to worry about because uh, 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 yeah, the offense has not uh, certainly not broken out the way uh, it had in August and September. Well, maybe the optimist would say there's plenty of runs still left in those bats, Phil Miller. Although I would say. You're right. It wasn't just that they only scored five runs. So they didn't even have had a lot of scoring opportunities. There was a couple chances like late in, a, I think, a couple of those games. They had a couple runners on where they could have padded their lead. I think they maybe had a bases loaded at bat with Jeffers the other day where they could have, you know, maybe got it to four or five runs. But not, not even a lot of scoring opportunities. They're going to need a lot more of those against Houston because I don't think it's going to be first one to three to win many of those games right. against Houston. Last night wasn't quite so bad. They did leave a couple of runners on third base and a couple of runners on second base. So uh, um, it wasn't it wasn't uh, totally bad. But it's a team that has been that is built within with the postseason formula of uh, home runs and strikeouts. They want to hit home runs and strike out uh, opposing batters. Um, they led the league, the American League, in both categories uh, this year. So they it is a winning strategy. Uh, in postseasons past, the team that hits the most home runs—it sounds simple—but uh, uh, it uh, the team that hits the most home runs invariably wins postseason games. So it happened. Uh, it happened on Tuesday. They got a win anyway on uh, on Wednesday, and uh, they do need to uh, find a way. Those Crawford boxes in uh, down the left field line in uh, Minute Maid Park. Uh, you know, we'll see if they can reach those a few times because that uh, that's that's the formula for winning. It is indeed. Well, first pitch, what, Saturday afternoon, Sunday night, and then Tuesday afternoon. Those are the game times we know. Uh, first two in Houston, game <laughs> three at Target Field, four if necessary at Target Field. Um, Phil Miller, appreciate it. As always, we'll be following your coverage. I'm sure we'll talk again soon because – who knows? Maybe uh, maybe this thing is an actual postseason run and not just a couple wins. Yeah, that's uh, there's certainly that feeling in the uh, in the clubhouse, which, by the way, smells like champagne and beer. <laughs> there could be worse things. Thanks, Bill. Yeah. OK, Mike. You know, I think an interesting thing about the Astros is that like the Blue Jays, um, the Twins played them six times this year. They played them quite well. They were four and two, but they haven't played for like four months. Both of these teams very different from the teams they were four months ago. And the Astros, the Twins did not face any of the Astros' three best pitchers, the guys that will go up, they'll go up against in, uh, in, in this series, including Justin Verlander in game one. So I almost feel like yeah, the 4-2 and two is nice. Yeah, it was part of a year where the Twins fared much better against good competition than they have in previous years. But I don't take a whole lot of... I don't put a whole lot of stock in that, I guess, than I would if they had, you know, 
just taking two out of three three weeks ago and both teams were fighting for playoff position, things like that. So something to watch for in this series. I think it's going to be a good series. I think the Twins have a chance to win this series, even with some of the odds that are stacked against them. They not have to go on the road now. The game one pitching matchups not going to be in their favor. Although I, you know, I think the Twins do will will be able to throw a capable arm out there. Whether, like Phil said, it's Joe Ryan, whether it's Kenta Maeda, whether it's Bailey Ober, that I don't know. Um, and they're going to have to throw one of those other guys in game four if there is indeed a game four. But other than that, the pitching lines up pretty well. And if they can get a little bit more offense, I think that's one of the concerns. They didn't show a whole lot of offense against good Blue Jays pitching. Can they show a little bit more against Houston? When r- racing to three is probably not going to do it most of the time, especially in that small ballpark in Houston. Can they score more runs to complement that really good pitching? If they can, they can win this series, get to the ALCS, and then anything is possible. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Like I mentioned at the jump, I had a chance to catch up with new Vikings running back Cam Akers, a mid-season trade, early season trade, I guess. We're not in the middle of the season, but Vikings adding Cam Akers after some shaky early performances on the ground. And they looked much better. Cam Akers makes his Vikings, his real Vikings debut last weekend against uh, against the Panthers. And again, not the world's greatest run defense, not the world's greatest team, and those are understatements, but Cam Akers rushes five times for 40 yards, does a lot with his touches, with his limited action. Seems like he's going to be a good complement to Alexander Madison, giving the Vikings kind of a a one-two. It's, it's not like their skill sets are vastly different, but Akers is maybe built a little bit lower to the ground, good after, good at finishing through contact, and has a little bit more, maybe a slightly more big play ability than uh, than Alexander Madison. But he he showed himself well in that first game. We'll see if they can keep that going against Kansas City because that takes a lot of pressure off Kirk Cousins. That it just it just does. He doesn't have to make all of the throws anymore. Doesn't have to convert all of the things. He's on pace to throw a lot of passes this season, even after only throwing 19 last weekend. So here is Cam Akers. I just had a chance to talk to him alone in the in the locker room for a couple minutes earlier this week, just kind of on the adjustment and what he brings to this team. What's it like, like just stepping into a brand new situation in the middle of a season? Like, how's it? How's that feel? Um, I'm blessed to 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 be able to know a lot of what I'm step well to be able to have known a lot of what I was stepping into. Yeah. Offensively, um, so I guess that makes it a lot easier knowing a few people also like personally around the building. I think it makes it a lot easier to to just come in and, and play ball instead of having to come in and learn a whole new yeah um, offense or whatever. So I think uh, that helped me a lot. I mean, just like you go, you walk in and you're like, you're just wearing a new uniform, you're going into a new stadium, you're all of a sudden a new role on a new team. Like, I just feel like it's got to be a lot of adjustment. Nah, nah, nah. I mean, obviously, like the move, that's probably like the worst part of it. But like getting here and, and, and learning the plays and stuff, you know, it wasn't an adjustment. Really. How'd you feel like Sunday went? I feel like it went good. I feel like I got my feet wet personally, if you're talking about me. Yeah. Um, as a team, obviously, it went good. We got a W. Um, uh, got work to do. Obviously, we want the cleanest W, but um, we got the W. We'll take it any way we can. When you're at your best, what do you bring to the table? 
Uh, when I'm at my best, what do I bring to the table? In your own words. Uh, a major threat on the field. Uh, a home run threat on the field. Um, big play threat. Um, whether it's catching, running, um, block, whatever, you know. Um, I bring attention from, you know, I, I bring attention. That's a good way to put it. I bring attention on the field. Um, got to respect me if we talk about me. So, um, <laughs> you tell you got to respect me and, and what I can do. Um, I think teams do. And again, this is a guy who's only 24 years old, a former second round pick in 2020. He's got talent. He's got relatively fresh legs, only 365 career carries. So it's a guy that I imagine, as long as he stays healthy this season with the Vikings, is going to get a fair amount of work. I'm not saying he's going to supplant Alexander Madison in the backfield, but this definitely feels like it's headed towards more of a timeshare, maybe not a 50-50 split, but like a 60-40, something like that, where he's going to get a couple series at least per game, and if he has the hot hand, they might ride that. And that's a nice... That's a nice player for them to have if they don't have full faith yet in Ty Chandler or any of their other young running backs. That is a big deal for them because they need to get that running game going on a more consistent basis. Vikings trying to win for the first time at home this season. They're 0-2. Speaking of a team that has been terrible at home so far this year, Minnesota United. What has happened to Adrian Heath's loons down the stretch? You know, I talked to him probably a month ago or so as they were kind of entering this critical stretch of the season. And, you know, he was like, if we can, I think if we can win five of these games, something like that, get a good result in five of these games, we'll be in good shape. They have not done anywhere close to that. The latest being a 5 1 loss to LAFC on Wednesday. Playoff probability down to 4%, according to uh, the websites I look at going into these final two matches of the season. They're hanging by a thread. They're trying to make the playoffs for the fifth straight year. That is a rarity. I believe they're the only Western Conference team that's made it all four years. Um, But something's not right here, and it it, kind of boils down to two things. One, at home this year, they've been bad, especially scoring goals, and they've been giving up a lot of late equalizers, You know, games where they should have had three points, getting one, games where they should have had one, getting zero. And that's just caught up to him. You can't give away points at home. There's been too many games this season where they haven't finished their chances at home, their their expected goals, things like that, way higher than their actual goals. And this is just a perpetual problem. Seemed like they had kind of figured it out at a certain point of the season, and then they went right back to their old form. And when you can't add on, when you're clinging to those one nothing leads, inevitably... And in case of the Loons, almost always they are giving up that equalizer when the pressure builds and they are getting these dra- getting these draws. And that's where you're really seeing them fall in the standings. I mean, the other problem is more kind of personnel or stylistic. They're, they're, I, we see fans complain on X, Twitter. It's still Twitter to me all the time about their fullbacks, about who they're playing, about who Heath is playing. You know, on the back line, I think against L.A., it was... Uh, it was, you know, it was kind of this more of the same old stuff. It was Taylor and Bristow in that game, um, you know, fullbacks who have had their struggles this year, to say the least. But I don't know what the other options are. I mean, for the style they want to play, it doesn't really seem like they have a lot of other great options right now. So part of it's a, a matter of the guys they have playing better, and part of it's a matter of, you know, maybe shaking things up when things still aren't quite hopeless. But it is getting hopeless right now. It makes you wonder where things are headed after this year. Do they just chalk this up to wrong mix? 
Do they, you know, do they start to think about making some more wholesale changes? Because, you know, even when they've been making the playoffs, they've been kind of that, kind of that fringe team a lot of times where they, they don't seem really, really dangerous. And again, this season was weird. You had the whole Emmanuel Reynoso thing at the start of the year where he missed time. He was away. Then it took, took him a little while to get back into full fitness, things like that. So it's definitely been a year where they've been missing, you know, Robin Ludds for a lot of the year. So some of their best players haven't been here for the full time. I get that. But if you're, if you're counting on a year, if you're waiting for a year where everything comes together, where everybody is healthy and available at the same time, that's just not how sports work these days. You're always going to need depth. You're always going to have these moments where you need to overcome things. I don't think they've done as good of a job this year of overcoming as they have in past years. So where that leads them in the future, I'm not sure. Where it leads them in the present, it seems almost certain, unless some sort of Hail Mary miracle happens in these last two games, it means they're going to miss the postseason for the first time in quite some time since 2018 let's finish with the cooler wolves won in abu dhabi i don't know how much to make of this but the starters look good a lot of them in plus territory they beat dallas dallas looks like they're still trying to figure things out early kyrie irving a minus 22 in 14 uninspired minutes for the mavericks it's just the first preseason game but you would rather see a team play well in its first preseason game even if it doesn't matter than play poorly and the wolves certainly played well in that game you've seen all sorts of footage too of what they're up to in the desert rudy gobert riding a camel you can see lots of this on the wolves social media players trying to take as much advantage of being over there as possible they've got one more game in this abu dhabi series and then they head back i believe sunday for more of their regular training camp it's just weird for them to be here for a bit then gone for so long but they'll be back soon enough and once, uh, you know, whenever this twin season ends, and for their sake, and probably for ours, it's fun to talk about a team that's winning for their sake and ours. Hopefully that's not for a few weeks anyway. But uh, but we'll see, you know, once that's done, it'll be right around the start of the Wolves and Wild season, I would imagine. Vikings will be in full swing. Everything's, um, you know, everything in its due time. But right now, Wolves already starting their preseason, Wild in their preseason, Wolves over in Abu Dhabi, and they did get that win in their first preseason game. That will do it, like I said, for today. Should be some bonus content this weekend. I don't know what shape that will take off of game one quite yet in Houston, but seems like the timing works out pretty well to do something off of that game before that Sunday night game in game two, and then just roll with the regular lineup of Royce on Monday and go from there. Probably some special episodes at least off of games three and four if necessary next week. So another busy week coming up but a fun week hey we haven't gotten to talk about twins winning in the playoff for almost two decades we might as well take advantage of it that will do it for me i'm michael rand back at it again later on